Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be on resting God. So why is resting in God important? Well, God takes it very serious because especially now in our culture, it isn't natural for us. To rest means that we need to trust God will take care of things for us. We have to trust that if we take a day off, the world will not stop turning and everything will be okay. So Rick Warren writes, God wants you to rest. Are you always in a hurry? Is your to-do list unrealistically long? Has more than one person ever told you to slow down? Do you feel guilty when you relax? Do you have to get sick to take time off? The pace of our modern society pushes us to keep going and going and going. Many people work even on their day off. And those who go to church service often head home afterward only to drive right into work, whether it's housework, schoolwork, or career work. Trying to do all the stuff that they didn't accomplish during their regular work week. On top of that, some people think God only smiles on them when they're working, praying, or doing spiritual activities. No wonder we're exhausted. Most of us are maxed out, but that's not the way of the good shepherd. God, in his goodness, created rest because he considered it important as work. A loving shepherd makes sure his sheep gets enough rest to stay healthy. If you won't lay down, God will make you lie down. Sometimes the only way God can get you to look up is to lay you flat on your back. He will do that because he cares about your physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Out of Psalm 23, 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So giving God your best requires rest. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. Out of Mark 6, 31. Rest is becoming a lost art in our modern culture. We've exchanged its old-fashioned values for a hectic, fast-paced, breakneck speed of life. Our fervor and passion disintegrate while our blood pressure elevates. Packed within each 24-hour time span is an unstable number of tasks we've placed upon ourselves, as well as demands others deem urgent enough to place upon us as well. And based on our fatigue and frustration, we'd give anything to offload the burden. But rest doesn't seem like a viable option anymore. Have we forever passed up any kind of reality that dares to include rest as part of our typical day or week or month or even our year? When Jesus sent his disciples off on a specific ministry assignment in Mark 6, 7-11, he didn't shield them from the fact that their journey would not be particularly easy. People would refuse to listen to them, much less give them hospitality. Any cause for excitement would be counterbalanced by any number of legitimate reasons for quitting and discouragement. They'd be empowered to preach, heal, and spread the news of the kingdom, Yes, but they'd also be exhausted on every front, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And even after finally coming back home from their tiring journey, people would still be coming and going enough that the disciples did not even have time to eat. So as their first order of business upon returning, Jesus greeted them with clear instructions to rest. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place, and rest a while, and again out of Mark 6.31. It wasn't a request. It wasn't a friendly suggestion. It was Jesus' command. Here's what you're going to do, guys. You've been through a lot, 
and much more remains to be done. But for now, rest. Come and rest, at least for a little while. Do you feel guilty for taking time away to regroup and recharge? Are you saddled with a sense of wasted opportunity if every space on your calendar is not filled? Are you afraid your world will stop turning if you disengage for even a few minutes? Are you concerned about losing your competitive advantage if you're not converting every moment into maximum achievement and efficiency? Then hear the voice of your Savior welcome you into a place where grace flows, where the Spirit refuels, and where mercy fixes what's been strained and stressed by accumulating life's pressures. This is the space where priorities and relationships that have been pushed out of alignment and are in need of repair get patched up and recalibrated. Quiet time is not an excuse for the lazy, but a wise investment for the diligent. It's for those who are committed to being active servants and followers of Jesus Christ, instead of slaves to the tyranny of urgent busyness and activity. By prioritizing rest for ourselves and those we love, we might just discover the joy we thought had been lost forever. So next, I want to read you a story, and it's called, How Much Does a Prayer Weigh? And here it is. So Louise Redden, a poorly dressed lady with a look of defeat on her face, walked into a grocery store. She approached the owner of the store in a most humble manner and asked if he would let her charge a few groceries. She softly explained that her husband was very ill and unable to work. They had seven children, and they needed food. John Longhouse, the grocer, scoffed at her and requested that she leave his store. Visualizing the family needs, she said, Please, sir, I will bring you the money just as soon as I can. John told her he could not give her credit, and she did not have a charge account at his store. Standing beside the counter was a customer who overheard the conversation between the two. The customer walked forward and told the grocer that he would stand good for whatever she needed for her family. The grocer said in a very reluctant voice, Do you have a grocery list? Louise replied, yes, sir. Okay, he said. Put your grocery list on the scales and whatever your grocery list weighs, I will give you that amount in groceries. Louise hesitated a moment with a bowed head. Then she reached into her purse and took out a piece of paper and scribbled something on it. She then laid the piece of paper on the scale carefully with her head still bowed. The eyes of the grocer and the customer showed amazement when the scale went down and stayed down. The grocer, staring at the scales, turned slowly to the customer and said, Begrudgingly, I can't believe it. The customer smiled, and the grocer started putting the groceries on the other side of the scales. The scale did not balance, so he continued to put more and more groceries on them until the scales would hold no more. The grocer stood there in utter disgust. Finally, he grabbed the piece of paper from the scales and looked at it with greater amazement. It was not a grocery list. It was instead a prayer which said, Dear Lord, you know my needs, and I'm leaving this in your hands. The grocer gave her the groceries that he had gathered and stood in stunned silence. Louise thanked him and left the store. The customer handed a $50 bill to the grocer and said it was worth every penny of it. It was some time later that the grocer discovered the scales were broken. Therefore, only God knows how much a prayer weighs. So next, I want to read you a poem called Rest for the Weary. There is rest for the weary and there is strength for the weak. That is what God offers to those who humbly seek. 
For it's only in the seeking that we will surely find rest for our weary bodies and peace for our troubled minds. And it's there in the asking that we will come to know God in all his splendor with his wisdom we will grow. And it only in the knocking that door will open wide so we can walk into what he graciously provides. So maybe for a while we can rest along the road and put on Jesus' yoke, for easy is his load. So that poem was inspired by Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 which says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I don't know if you guys knew that back then a yoke for oxen were fitted specifically for the oxen. So the oxen with a fitted yoke would be able to do more than an unfitted yoke. And that's what God does for us. So the yoke that we take from him is a fitted yoke for us to make our life a lot easier. We just need to ask God for the fitted yoke he has for us. So next, I'm going to play you a song, and it's called Rest. And it's by Eileen Walker from the Tommy Walker Ministries. And here it is. Oh, I'm resting in your love for me. I'm resting in your sovereignty. I'm resting in your faithful arms, oh God. Oh, I'm resting in your plans for me. That they're all for good, not to harm me. I'm resting in your promises, oh God. And I don't have to worry, no, I don't have to fear, because I know who you are, Lord. I know your Father's heart, and I don't have to worry, no, I don't have to fear, because you said you are able, and you said you for me that they're all for good not to harm me 
I'm resting in your promises, oh God. Hey, what a great song by Eileen Walker. And here's what Eileen said regarding this song. Anxiety is more than common in this day and age. Worry has consumed my generation. I experienced anxiety for the first time during my junior year of high school. I was so afraid that I was in disobedience to God. I felt like I couldn't discern His voice and I wasn't in His will. I was so worried to mess up God's plans for my life. However, the one thing I could hear was His still, small voice telling me to rest. Rest in His love and His ability to accomplish His will in my life. That was the sweetest thing to hear, yet hard to do. It felt so wrong and backwards to me. I felt like I had to do work and strive, but God was teaching me trust on a whole new level. I'm resting in your love for me. I'm resting in your sovereignty. This has become an anthem for me, and I pray it can be for many across the world as well. Let us trust and rest in the goodness and the good nature of our God. Out of Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Our culture basks in busyness, wearing stress and lack of sleep like a badge of honor. As the news regularly reports, more than half of Americans don't use their allotted vacation days and are likely to bring work with them when they do take a vacation. Work provides our identity with busyness assuring our status. Stimulants like caffeine and sugar provide the means to get moving in the morning while sleeping pills, alcohol, and herbal remedies enable us to forcibly shut down our bodies and minds to get fitful sleep before starting it all over again because, as the motto says, you can sleep when you are dead. But is this what God intended when he created man in his image in the garden? What does it mean that God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh? In the Bible, rest is more than the absence of work. Rest demonstrates where we place our trust for provision, identity, purpose, and importance. Rest is both a regular rhythm to our day and our week as well as a promise with fuller future fulfillment. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Out of Hebrews 4, 9, and 10. So what does it mean to rest in the Lord? The word that is used of God resting on the seventh day in Genesis 2-2 is Sabbath. The same word that will be used later calling Israel to cease from their normal activities. In the creation account, God established a rhythm for us to follow both in our work and in our rest, to maintain our effectiveness and purpose as God created in his image. God established a rhythm to the days of creation that the Jewish people continue to follow, which demonstrate a contrast to an American perspective on work. As God's creative work is described in the Genesis account, the pattern to in each day states, and there was evening and there was morning. The rhythm is reversed from how we perceive our day. From our agricultural roots to the industrial area now to modern technology, the day begins at sunrise. We start our days in the morning and end our days at night, expending energy throughout the day to collapse when the work is done. 
What is the implication then of practicing your day in reverse? In an agrarian society, it was the case in Genesis and through much of human history. Evening meant to rest and sleep because it was dark, and you couldn't work at night. God's creation order suggests that we start our day in rest, filling our buckets in preparation to pour them out in work for the following day. By putting evening first, God established the importance of prioritizing physical rest as a prerequisite for effective work. With the inclusion of the Sabbath, though, God also established a priority in our identity and value. Work is not a result of the fall and sin, but instead a blessing in that we find purpose and productivity in joining God in his creative work by subduing the earth and exercising dominion over it, out of Genesis 1.28. Ordering, organizing, naming, and subduing God's creation establishes man's role as God's representative with his creation, ruling the earth. Work, though good, must be kept in balance with the rest so that our pursuit of productivity doesn't come to represent the entirety of our purpose and identity. God did not rest on the seventh day because the six days of his creation wore him out. God rested to establish a pattern for us to follow in enjoying the goodness of our created being without the need for being productive. One day in seven, set apart for rest and reflection on the work we have completed, requires us to acknowledge our dependence on God for his provision and freedom from finding our identity in our work. In establishing the Sabbath as the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, God is also demonstrating a contrast for the Israelites from their role as slaves in Egypt, in which work was mandated hardship to demonstrate his love and provision as his people. So we can't do it all. We can't get it all done. Even with 24 hours a day and 7 days a week, we must relinquish our attempts at earning an identity through our work and rest in the identity God provides as loved by him and free to rest in his provision and care. This desire for autonomy through self-definition forms the basis for the fall and continues to plague our functioning in relationship to God and others today. The serpent temptation to Eve exposed the challenge of dependence with the consideration of whether we rest in God's wisdom or whether we want to be like God and make the choice of good and evil for ourselves, out of Genesis 3.5. In choosing to take the fruit, Adam and Eve chose independence over dependence on God, and we continue to struggle with that choice every day. God's call to rest, both in order of our day and in the rhythm of our week, hangs on whether we can rely on God to take care of us while we cease from work. This theme of the pull between dependence on God and independence from God and the rest he provides is a critical thread of the gospel throughout scripture. Sabbath rest requires our acknowledgement that God is in control and we are not and our observance of the Sabbath rest then becomes a reflection and celebration of this provision and not just a cessation of work. This shift in the understanding of rest as dependence on God and consideration of his provision, love, and care in contrast to our pursuit of independence, identity, and purpose through work has important physical implications, as we have noted, but has ultimate critical spiritual implications as well.
The fallacy of the law is the idea that through hard work and personal effort, I can keep the law and earn my salvation. But as Paul explains in Romans 3, 19 and 20, it is not possible to keep the law. The purpose of the law was not to provide a means of salvation, but so that the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin, out of Hebrews 3, 19 and 20. Our works cannot save us. While we think we can be free and independent from God, we are dependent and slaves to sin. Independence is an illusion, but dependence on God results in life and freedom through righteousness. Resting in the Lord means placing your faith and identity in his provision physically and eternally. And here are some scriptures about resting in the Lord. Exodus 33:14 and he said my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Out of Psalm 127:2 for he gives his beloved sleep. Out of Psalm 46:10 be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 40:29-31 he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Out of Psalm 4.8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Acts 3.19 and 20, Repent, therefore, and turn back. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And from Psalms 23, 1 through 6, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And out of Ecclesiastes 4, 6, Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and striving after wind. And from Psalms 113:3, From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 14.30, a heart at peace gives life to the body. And Romans 8.6, the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. So why is rest important to us? God established the pattern of night and day and the rhythm of work and rest before the fall, creating a structure of life and order in which work provides purpose and practice by meaning through relationship. After the fall, our need for this structure is even greater as we seek to find our purpose through our work and our independence from a relationship with God. But beyond this functional recognition lies the internal design in which we yearn for the restoration and redemption of our bodies, to be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of glory of the children of God, out of Romans 8.21. These small patterns of rest, Sabbath, 
provide the space in which we are free to reflect on the gift of God's provision of life, purpose, and salvation. Our attempt at identity through work is but a snapshot of our attempt at identity and salvation as independent from God. We cannot earn our salvation, but it is through grace that we have been saved, not of ourselves, but as a gift from God out of Ephesians 2, 8-9. We rest in God's grace because the work of our salvation has been accomplished at the cross. When Jesus said, It is finished, he provided the final word on the work of, for redemption. The seventh day of creation provides a reminder of a perfect relationship with God, resting in reflection of his work for us. Christ's resurrection established a new creation order, shifting the focus from ending creation with rest on the Sabbath to resurrection and new birth on the first day of the week. From the new creation, we wait for the next Sabbath, the final rest in which our representation as God's image bearers on earth is restored with a new heaven and a new earth. Our temptation today is the same temptation offered to Adam and Eve in the garden. Will we trust in God's provision and care for us, resting in dependence on Him? Or will we attempt to control our lives in futile independence, grasping for meaning through our busyness and effort? The practice of rest can seem like an intangible luxury in a chaotic world, but our willingness to relinquish control in the structure of the day and rhythm of the week to a loving Creator demonstrates our dependence on God for all things temporal and eternal. We may acknowledge our need for Jesus for eternal salvation, but until we also relinquish control of our identity and practice in our temporal practice, then we don't truly rest and put our trust in him. We can rest in the Lord when the world is upside down because he loves us and because we can depend on him. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Out of Isaiah 40, 28 and 29. So I want to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham on Find Rest in Jesus Christ. And here it is. He says, come. This king says, come. All things are now ready. Jesus said, God is saying to you, come. All things are ready. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, that doesn't mean what we sometimes think it means. We can interpret it that way as people who are tired from work and we preach it on Labor Day, on the Sunday before Labor Day. It means those people that have been laboring for the truth. Those people that are searching for purpose and meaning in their lives, they don't have to labor any longer. Come to Christ. He will meet that need that you have, that longing. He'll fill that vacuum in your heart. So I know for me, if I don't get enough rest, I get real grumpy. I don't do very good at work and I lose all my focus. So I'm learning this message today is just as much for me as it is anybody else but I'm learning that I need to rest and rest in the Lord is some of the best rest I can get so my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path and so next week's episode is going to be on a thankful heart so you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com I'm also on Twitter Facebook and Instagram 
Anywhere you download your podcast, you can give Positive Light Podcasts for free. Just go in and subscribe. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.